What is up, Amazon Hustlers? Welcome to episode 27 of the Amazon Hustle Podcast. My name is Louis Mother III, and I am your host. So what I wanna talk about is over the past year, I have interviewed over 60 Amazon FBA sellers, and they are very successful in their own right. Some are million dollar a month sellers, some are $100,000 a month sellers, and some are $50,000 a month sellers, but they're at their own level of success. And there's certain traits that I've noticed from every single one of them, including myself, which I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but there's just certain traits that that I'm able to identify in these people. And I think that these are traits that every Amazon FBA seller should have to be successful. Maybe these are traits that you should use in your overall life. Yeah, actually these are traits that I think you should use in your overall life. But since this is an Amazon based podcast, we're going to put it towards Amazon. And I'm just going to give you the top three traits I've noticed that successful Amazon sellers have. Successful Amazon sellers are disciplined. And when I say disciplined, it means, I just mean that they're able to do what is needed to be done, whether they feel like doing it or not. They're able to go sourcing. They're the first thing is that they all have have schedules maybe not for their whole life but for their business they know when they're going to go sourcing they know when they're going to go prepping they know when they're going to do shipping they know all these type of things and they stick to the schedule even if for example if they say i'm gonna go do retail arbitrage all tuesday it doesn't matter what's happening on tuesday minus the world is coming down or somebody is dying they're going to be sourcing on, on tuesday if they say wednesdays are my prep days they're going to be prepping so you need to be disciplined in that and do what's needed to be done to grow your business to the level that you want it to be at. The next thing I noticed that all these Amazon sellers have in common is they are consistent. Anybody can be disciplined for a week. It's super easy to be disciplined for a week, but is it easy to be disciplined for a month, for three months, for six months, for a year, for 10 years? That's what it is. These Amazon sellers are consistent day in and day out, whether it's raining outside, whether it's snowing outside, or whether it's snowy, or whether it's sunny outside. They are still going to be consistently doing what is needed to be done to get to their business. And the final thing that I want to tell you guys that you guys should be a a trait that you should have if you want to be a successful Amazon seller is you have to be, you have to have the adaptive, you have to be adaptable, meaning you have to be able to adapt to certain situations. Shit's going to happen. Shit's going to hit the fan more times than you want it to happen. Amazon is going to lose shipments. Customers are going to return things. You may not, your bank account may get shut down, your Amazon, God God forbid it, your Amazon account may get shut down. There's going to be things that's going to help you. And the difference between people who are successful and people who are not successful in Amazon is the people who are not successful, they let those things break them. I could tell you so many different times that I thought my Amazon store was over with, but instead of just sitting in the corner crying and saying, I don't know what to do, I identified the problem and I found a solution. These Amazon sellers are able to find a solution. And, 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 and there's so many times to where you can't find a solution. There's been times that I've lost, that I bought the wrong item and I, and I can't take it back and I spent $2,000 on it. I can either cry about that $2,000 or I could just move on. So that's what I mean by being adaptable. You just have to be able to move on. And these traits fall right in line with the interview that you guys are going to see today. It's with a good friend of mine, Andrew. He is a $100,000 a month Amazon seller. He is killing it on Amazon. This is another one of my favorite episodes because of the things that we talked about. We talked about mindset. We talked about dedication. We talked about discipline. We talked about working out. We talked about, of course, we talked about starting Amazon. We talked about being disciplined. We talked about so many different things that that I really love to talk about. Like, I don't just like talking about Amazon. If you guys are listen, listening to the podcast, then you know the podcast can go into so many different directions, which which honestly makes me think that I have one of the best Amazon-based podcasts because it's not just about 
tell me how to start wholesaling. What is a ROI? I get down and deep with my guests and talk about and like really pick what's going inside their brain and what's going inside their life. Because no matter if you're an Amazon seller or not, there's still other things that you are interested in and that you can learn that can help you in life and in your actual Amazon business. So I'm going to stop talking now and get right into the interview with Andrew. I really hope you guys enjoy it. If, if you do, do me a favor, give this episode a five-star review and like it on YouTube and share it on your socials. So Andrew, can you let the listeners know who you are and exactly what it is that you do? Yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Andrew Pipkin and I sell on Amazon. I'm a $100,000 a month seller right now nice. for the third month in a row. So I'm pretty amped about that, honestly. Uh, man, I got a crazy journey, honestly, Lewis. I mean... My journey went from being at a nine to five. And before I sold on Amazon, I tried out the digital marketing thing, right? And I tried it out probably for almost an entire year. Um, I bought this guy's course. It was kind of expensive. And, you know, it wasn't that much of an investment, but it was a lot of big time investment. So I did that for three months then I failed. So I tried to, to do digital marketing a different way. Failed again for another three months. Tried again for another way for three or four months. And so I failed for this for probably about a year. Um, and then I started reselling on Amazon FBA again. And then it kind of just took off. And just a couple months later, right after that, I decided to quit my job, go, you know, go full into Amazon. Um, and, you know, now I'm here. So, you know, 11 months later, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be here. All right. So let me break this down a little bit. When you say digital marketing, was it more like affiliate marketing where you like trying to sell somebody else's course or like what does that in, entail? Yeah. So no, it was not affiliate marketing. Um, digital marketing is basically a business plan where you take certain businesses and you help them oh. generate either leads, content, social media, things like that. So I was, I started first trying to work with people that, uh, we're in the solar field. So that sells solar panels on people's roofs and stuff like that. And then like roofing people. Um, that went okay. I did actually make some progress. And so I made progress each time and every time I switched. Um, and then I worked with realtors later on and I was trying to provide realtors uh, consistent leads, you know, for people that wanted to buy houses. And so that's kind of what it was. I got really good at Facebook ads and I, I learned a lot of great skills. I um, got to the point where I could make websites really well, make funnels really well, do a bunch of other different things that help helped me um, down the road, but I also failed a lot too. And so the life of an entrepreneur is not easy. You're going to fail a lot. I mean, if you do not fail as an entrepreneur, then you're not an entrepreneur. Okay. So literally the word entrepreneur is like, Hey, somebody that fails and they keep going, they don't give a crap if they fail or not. They're going to keep going, and then finally, they're going to eventually succeed at something, you know? And so it, it, it's kind of awesome, honestly. I have this theory. I don't have any proof on it, or I don't have any studies. This is just the way I feel. But I think one of the biggest traits that you need to have as an entrepreneur is to be able to do something, fail, fail at it, but not look at it as failure. Look at it as, okay, this is why this didn't work, or this is why this did work. Take that, learn it, and then apply that the next time. So you constantly always changing i think that's something that is actually good because you found things that didn't work or that did work and you added it on to the next thing but my question about yeah. digital marketing is if you were getting success i'm sure if you would have stuck at it you would have got better at it but what made you not want to stick with it i had been doing it for a year and i started having some success but then i quickly realized that i had to be on sales calls for the rest of my life <laughs> digital marketing there's a lot of turnover as well 
Um, and a lot of the times when you reach out to people, digital marketers, they don't necessarily um, have the best rap, especially with like in, in the real estate world, because there's so many people trying to reach out to these same people, right? And so you have to consistently tell yourself how you're different. Well, on Amazon, I just get to sit behind a computer, honestly, and probably work less than 15 hours a week right now just on my Amazon business and do over $100,000 a month in sales. Um, and Lewis, going back to what you just said about those traits, mm -hmm. you just literally described Thomas Edison's quote. I know. I was I was thinking about that about the whole light bulb thing, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's like he failed. He's like, hey, you know what? I didn't fail. I learned another way not to make a light bulb. And I was like, man, it just kind of a light bulb went off in my head. Exactly, exactly. when you said that, I was like, you know, that's exactly what an entrepreneur is. You know, you're gonna fail, but you can't look at it as failure. You have to look at it as I figured out a way not to do something. And if as long as you don't give up, you honestly never fail. Like, I mean, I I could have given up a year ago, six months ago, and I would have never been at this point I am now. And so that's that's a good message for everybody listening. Yeah, that is honestly one of my favorite quotes. And whenever I try something, like I try different things all the time. I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And then I figure out how to do it. And then I do it for a little bit. And I think some people will call it quitting. But I just think I'm very good at understanding what's going to work and what's not going to work. And I put my time into the things that are going to work. So I've started so many men. I before I got to Amazon, I at first I was a family YouTuber. I had like a little bit of su su sex with that, but I didn't really like it because I didn't want to show too much of my other side of my life. So I so I did that. But that let me know how much I did enjoy making videos and I knew I would go back to YouTube. I just had to find something that I was passionate about, which is where Amazon came in. I was a blogger. I did affiliate marketing. I did so many different, different things. And I just had to figure out what actually works. Affiliate marketing. Explain that to me. Cause I've, I've looked into that. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Cause I just feel like it's a waste of my time when I'm already successful at something else. It's just, I can put my time and resources into something else, but explain that to me really quick. And um, for everybody that's listening, I can, ex I'm, I'm going to explain the overall thing. And then I'm going to kind of tie it into how you can do it also. Cause I know a little bit of, about you behind the scenes and how you can do it. But basically affiliate marketing is you're, just the middleman you usually you want to go with high ticket products so it's probably a course or somebody's coaching where they're charging two thousand three thousand dollars for it and they give you a basically you bring them the customers and they give you a fee or they give you a percentage of whatever that person um buys from them so like me i'm a coach so if i have my coaching program i'll have somebody else and say, hey, if you bring me a coach, I'll give you 50% of it. You usually want to go between 30 and 50% of whatever you sell. And you just end up making content about that. Whatever you're selling, you can use that person's content. And you usually would just make another YouTube. Like, do you know who Andrew Tate is? Yes, Andrew okay. Tate, yeah. Andrew Tate is the Man's perfect crazy. <laughs> Andrew Tate is the perfect example of, of affiliate marketing. He got really big on the internet. So he had a name and he has this course or this community of that you can go in and he has an affiliate part of it where if you get people to sign up for it, you get 50% of whatever they sign up for. So people will make Instagram accounts, TikTok account, TikTok account, TikTok, text, TikTok accounts, and they would just use his type of um content over and over and over and then in the bio they'll have a link sign up here to learn more about Andrew Tate or, or like learn what he does and whenever somebody signs up for it then you get a percentage of whatever they sign up for that's pretty much what it is wow but for so a lot of people did that did they have success doing that oh a lot of people like he made millionaires off of it for doing that he made 10 times what they made but he made a lot of 
like it was like 15 year old kids making like a hundred thousand dollars in a year or twenty thousand dollars a month like that type of stuff so yeah he had a lot of things it actually got to the point to where people only thought his course was just about doing affiliate marketing and he kind of had to change the way he structured it and i kind of get that but yeah he made a lot of rich people off of it that's insane. I knew he had this discord where he charged people to be in there and he had all these side hustles in there. And one of them was Amazon. Um, and, another, and a guy named Travis, I don't know if you know, Travis, that's a private label guy in the Amazon space. I know he Travis. reviewed it and he basically tore it apart. <laughs> um, that was so funny. Yeah. Before he had, before he had the, this, it's actually not discord. It's, it's, um, now it's kind of, well, it was Discord at first, but this isn't about Andrew Tate, like podcast or whatever, but he got canceled and they canceled his Instagram, they canceled his TikTok and they canceled his Discord. So he moved it to a private server, which is still set up like Discord, but it's not actual Discord. So yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Then, that makes yeah. sense. And then with coaching, because you're an Amazon coach too, the way I do affiliate marketing now is I just do it through my content. I always use, I personally don't recommend anything I don't use myself. I know you get them too. I get a lot of DMs or Insta or um, emails about, hey, we have this new product that you should tell your people about. And if I don't use it, then I'm not going to promote it. But I promote SellerAmp and I, Keepa doesn't have it, but SellerAmp and Be Cool, they have affiliate programs where you get people to sign up and you get maybe 10% of it or 20%. And if you're really good, you can get 30% of it. So whenever I have a coaching client or I do a YouTube video about SellerAmp, I'm like, hey, if you're going to sign up for SellerAmp, then I'm giving you free information and just sign up through my link. And whenever they pay their monthly fee, I get 10, 15, 20% of whatever they pay for it. Hey, that's better than nothing, right? Yeah. And they're gonna and they're not and they're not paying anymore. So it's kind exactly. of like a win-win, right? Exactly. You're telling them really useful knowledge that you use in your business every day. And on top of that, you're getting paid just a little bit off the top. So I think that's really valuable. Exactly. And then one thing I do with my Be Cool affiliate is that um, it's very hard when you first start out as an Amazon Amazon seller. And then I'm like, hey, you need this repricer, how to set it up, how to, how to, how to use it. So I'm like, if you sign up through Be Cool, through my link, I'll hop on a call with you and I'll show you, I'll walk you through how to set it up and how to actually use it. And that's something that I've seen a little bit more um be cool is my number one affiliate. Like I make like 10 times more than I make on anything else with like be. Well, let me ask you a question. So for be cool, uh, do you use AI repricing or do you just use the basic model? I use the basic model, but I'm learning how to use the, um, AI because I, because I have a personal relationship with be cool. They, I've, they've been on my channel. I've been on their channel. I know their owners. I know all that. So I've had training on it, but I just want to know how it works more before I start telling other people to use it. But yeah, I'm learning how to use the AI now. Yeah. So I will say AI is honestly, man, when I went to AI, my sales, I don't want to say doubled, but they, they went up at least 30, 40%. I mean, it was insane. And it's not even necessarily just the sales going up. It's more the fact of a lot of the problems on BQ, if you don't use AI, is you consistently keep your price coming down, 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 down to your minimum price. Because, of course, you set your minimum price and your maximum price, right? With with online arbitrage sellers, a lot of the times our prices are going to be near the, near the minimum price. If it's a good product, because there's going to be other people on the listing, other people are going to find it. Right. And so one of the biggest things was when I switched to AI was, yeah, it went from like $30 a month to $100 a month. But... Let's just say I sell, you know, over 100 products a day right now. It's kind of what I'm selling or a little more than that. 
Well, a lot of those products started jumping up one, two, three dollars on the buy box because the AI was figuring out that it could get the buy box at a higher rate. And so there's a lot more strategy you can use. And actually, it's actually AI is actually more simple. Like if you don't use AI, there's like 50 to 100 different things that you have to tell Bequel what it is. Literally, if you use AI, it, ha it asks you seven questions. Oh, wow. I think it's seven. It might be six. Like it's it's that little. Like it asks you seven questions and that's it. That's AI repricing. And so it's honestly insane. And, you know, one of my best features, actually the, my most liked feature about AI is when you're using it. So, you know, of course, when something's coming into Amazon um, or it's being FC transferred to another warehouse, uh, your product is considered backordered, right? Mm -hmm. So if your product is considered backordered, if you don't use AI, a lot of the times it will use your minimum price to try to get sales mm -hmm. when your product is backordered. So, you know, it's not going to give you the buy box when your product is backordered, but if your buy box is lower than everybody else's, it is going to give you some sales. It's just, just going to tell the customer, hey, you won't be able to get your item for two weeks. Well, with AI, you, there's a very simple strategy that you can use and you can just press the max price button when, instead of you bringing down the price of the entire listing because other people are trying to match your price it's going to use your max price on the listing and so it's going to keep the buy box inflated oh, wow. and so that's one of my biggest what things of why i like ai so much oh damn i'm actually okay you just sold me on it i'm, I'm gonna because i've been putting <laughs> it on the back burner and when i signed up for be cool i increased my sales 40 percent like overnight basically so i was like all right well this is this is fine and i'll get a, get around to it but yeah i'm definitely going to get okay that's you're that's gonna really increase it again and not even just increase your sales but your buy boxes you're going to start noticing that they're a lot higher than they normally are right now and so the hundred dollars different watch it's like a 60 70 difference now probably but that 60 70 difference i literally make up in less than one day oh wow. and so it's definitely it's definitely worth it for for anybody that it's that does over twenty thousand dollars a month in sales. If you don't have AI, you should already have it. I mean, okay. and yeah. I and I didn't know that either. I didn't get AI. I don't think until I was doing like sixty or seventy thousand in sales. So you know, I'm kind of talking to myself like an idiot. Like, hey, you should have had it yourself, Drew. But I, mean, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know any better. Right. Um. But you know, I do now. Okay, that's great information. And I'm actually going to dive more into the AI now because, um, I actually have the hundred, the hundred, the hundred dollar, um option i just don't use ai so i'm actually going to get into that that's great info i want to go back to when you're doing your digital marketing what made you well how did how did you even find out about amazon fba so i used to sell on amazon back in 2012 slash 13. oh right Dude, oh, i was doing first started yeah i was oh, doing no, wait, online it started, sorry it started in 2006 sorry okay but that's when it yeah. started to get popular yeah. And then I was doing online arbitrage before online arbitrage was even a thing. Oh, okay. Like you probably couldn't even Google the word online arbitrage back in 2012 and get anything on it. Right. There might've been like one, maybe five YouTube people talking about it. There was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a thing. And I actually did not learn it on YouTube. So I used to sell a bunch of stuff on eBay. Mm -hmm. What I would do is I would go to retail stores that were near me or kind of in my area. I would make relationships with the people that own those stores and say, Hey, when you're ready to discount your stuff to 70 percent plus, you give me a call and I'll tell you and I'll just go ahead and liquidate basically everything you have where I'll be able to tell you what I can buy. Mm -hmm. And so I used to do that. I'd have, you know, five or six different store people calling me. You know, this is when I was in college, I think a freshman or sophomore. 
they'd call me and say, hey, do you want to liquidate all this stuff? I would say, sure, I'll buy it. So I sold all that stuff on eBay. And then one day I realized, like, you know what? Maybe I should try to sell this on Amazon. Okay. And then I realized that I could go to Hibbits.com. This was before Hibbits banned you because Hibbits bans resellers now. Dude, what I is, was freaking. What is um? What is Hibbits? I don't know what that is. Hibbits.com? Yeah. It's a retailer. Okay. 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 Yeah. They sell a bunch of shoe, Nike shoes, like bats and stuff and okay. all that good jazz. So it's like a sporting goods store. You don't have a Hibbits near you? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Germany. So I don't think that we have that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where I'm at, they have that. And so anyways, um, this was like Hibbits right now. You can go find a bunch of profitable inventory for anybody listening. Go find a bunch of profitable inventory from Hibbits right now. I guarantee you it won't take you long. The issue is that they're about 30 or 40 units after like a couple of weeks, they're going to ban you. Oh. Um, but anyways, I used to buy and resell stuff from Hibbits.com um, back in 2012. And I was making decent money. I think I made did like $80,000 in sales. And actually, I just made a post about this the other day. And it was a big mistake I've made. I did not see the future opportunity of Amazon. And so I stopped doing it like an idiot, right? Um, and if I would have kept doing it, you know, I, I could have been way ahead of the game. I would have been, because I knew what our online arbitrage was before. Um, I mean, it was basically just starting to be, get popular or before mm -hmm. anybody really knew about it, what it was. So, um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of how I figured, heard about Amazon FBA from the beginning. And then once digital marketing failed, I said, you know what, let me try Amazon again. I started seeing other people on social media kind of saying that they were doing $200,000, $300,000 a month in sales. And these are, you know, the young 20-year-old kids. And I'm like, okay, well, I wasn't doing that much. I was doing like $10,000, $20,000 a month in sales. So what are they doing differently, right? And so I kind of picked it up and started doing that again. And it kind of just, I already knew how to do online arbitrage. Like I already had already had that skill. So it's kind of just like, okay, let me go try to figure out if I can source some products. And, you know, now I'm here, so. Back in 2012, 2013, when you were doing online arbitrage before it was online arbitrage, were there any tools that you were using or was it just like, how are you no. determining? Honestly, that was the hardest part. I went by straight sales rank. I did not have seller ramp. I didn't have Keepa. I didn't have any of that stuff. I literally used zero tools. And I think that was one of the main things, but I could see if stuff sold, right? And so that's what I did. I, I, there was like a sales rank calculator that you could look in, that you could type in online um, mm -hmm. back in those days. And so, and I'm sure there was tools in 2012 and 13, not as probably good as there are now. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure keep exists in 2012, I would assume. I'm not um, Maybe sure. they didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they did or not, but I'm sure there was some tools out there I could have used. I just didn't. Um, and so I went all by sales rank. So from 2012 to when you started again after the digital marketing, what do you think was different? Was it your mindset or was it the tools or was it that the times that things kind of caught up to what you were doing back then? Like what made the biggest difference from you starting, stopping then and where you're at now being a seven figure seller? Because if you sell that much now, then you're a seven, seven figure seller. So what kind of changed? Mindset is the biggest thing. So probably when I was in college, all the way up to about two years ago. So really from 2012, all the way to 2021, my mindset was horrible. I didn't want to work. Now I did want to work. I wanted to make a lot of money, um, but I didn't, I don't under, I didn't understand what it was going to take to make a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. And then I got in the real world, got a couple of jobs, realized I didn't like jobs that much. And I and I was al- already an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, I had a, bu- a bunch of different stuff going, but I wasn't willing to put in the work. One day I woke up and realized that I talked about all this stuff. I was a big talker. I talked about doing this, talked about doing that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then I would do it for maybe like a month, kind of half, half butt or half ass, as you would say. And then I would quit. Mm-hmm. And I did this over and over and over again. Gosh, it was probably like 10 or 15 15 different things for like an eight-year span. Then I woke up one day and realized, I said, what the heck am I doing? Like, I'm not where I want to be. It's my own fault. And so at that point, I had to instill discipline. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up digital marketing, and I'm going to stay with it for a minimum of one year. I, if I'm not making any money after a year, at that point, I'll say, you know what? Let me look to see if there's anything else I can I can do instead. But if I give it my all for one year and I'm still not making money, that's what I'm going to do. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to stop telling my friends about what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to stop telling my friends, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I shut my butt up and I just went to work. And so I, I, no, none of my friends even knew I was even doing digital marketing until like 10 or 11 months into it. Um, I just didn't tell any of them because there's no reason to. It wasn't successful. And I'd been a talker my entire life. And I was tired of being a talker. Um, and I wanted to be an action taker. So I decided to be an action taker instead of a talker. And that was really my biggest mindset shift, I would say, which was which was now about two years ago. Um, when I say my, when I say like I work my butt off, dude, I work my butt off from Nine to five, I had my normal job. I would get home and immediately start working, go get a cup of coffee. From five o'clock to 10 o'clock, I worked. Monday through Friday, I'm not joking. Like when all my friends were going out on Friday nights, hanging out, going to dinner, I stayed at home. On Sundays, when my wife and all my friends were at the pool, hanging out, chilling, having a good time, I was working. I worked eight to 10 hour days every Sunday. Every Sunday. And I did that for like, six months plus straight dude I, I calculated my hours i was working like 75 hours a week so when people say they don't have enough time that's bs dude like and and i was still failing gotta remember i was still doing this six months later and still failing and i said i'm not gonna freaking give up and if you have that mindset you will eventually succeed i know i talked ramble on the line but... so many points that i want to talk on but i just wanted to let you go on that rant because that's great Instagram content. So I just wanted you to go on that rant. But I think that's a reason why we kind of vibe together is because I am the exact same way. And how old are you? I am 30, man. I'm old now. Yeah, I'm seven years older than you. I'm 37. So I... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you old. I called myself old. (laughs) So then I called you old. I'm good. I'm good. But um, from... I don't think anything that you really do past like before 20 really matters because you're still trying to figure out things. But from like 20 to 32, I did like 20 different things. I had regular jobs to like pay the things, but I was a party promoter. I was a graphic designer. I Like I said, I did affiliate marketing. I tried to do, I guess what you say with digital marketing, that's what I try to do. I would go to my local businesses and be like, you guys don't have Instagram or you guys don't have Facebook. Let me set that up for you. I did that. Yeah. I did blogging. I did YouTube. I did so many different things and I will always quit those things because I never had discipline because I'm not saying that I'm the smartest person in the world because I'm nowhere near that, but things kind of come easier to me so I never really had to work for anything. Like I never really did that good. Like I re- really never put that much work in school, but I still got good, good grades because stuff just came easy. So I never really had to work for things. But when I turned 32, I was like, all right, you about to be 40 in like 
before you blink your eye? And do you want to be 40 and be at where you're at now? Or do you want to be 40 and be where you think you should be at? So I kind of had like this epiphany thing. And I just started watching a lot of motivational things and working on how to change my discipline and things like that. And that's where things really, really change. So my first question is, we can say, yeah, we just had this switch and now we're disciplined. But how does a person who is where we were, how do, how do they get to the point? First off, how do they get to the point to realize that they don't have have discipline? And when they do realize that, what are some things that you think they can do to build that discipline? That's a tough question. So, <laughs> I mean, it really is because it's very easy to see that you don't have discipline, right? If you do something for a month and quit, you, you do not have discipline. If, if you fail at something over and over and over again, and you're still trying to have success in that field, whatever it may be, three months, six months down the road, that's discipline. If you eat bad food all the time because you can't, because somebody's eating bad in front of bad food in front of you and you can't not help but just have a bite of that, that's bad discipline. Um, one of the best ways to get discipline, in my opinion, is to one, read self-help books. But it's it's all about your mindset shift, right? So your the mind is so powerful. And if you tell your mind you're going to do something and you actually mean it, like your mind knows when you don't mean like If you say, hey, I'm going to go start running, you know, and that's going to be my New Year's resolution. I'm going to go run. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to quit when I get when it gets hard. Well, what if you told yourself, I am not allowed to quit? I'm not allowed to quit what if you what if you actually just committed to yourself to do something and you know i'm going to do this for three months no matter what happens if i fail and i can't figure it out i'm still going to do it for three months another great way to do it is to start something called 75 hard you know what that is i've done it i quit but quit. i know exactly what it is come on man you quit when did you quit <laughs> Ah, doing the thing, everything is easy, but the two workouts a, a day. And even if it was two workouts inside, I can do it. But when I wake up and it's freaking two feet of snow on the ground and I'm like, shit, I still should go for my run or I still should go for my walk. I'm like, uh, maybe I could do 73 hard or maybe I could do 72 hard. So yeah, I tried and I've been, my plan now is I'm, honestly, since we're talking about this, I'm doing the um 50 day project. If you, if you ever heard of that, it's just like a I water. Not know. Okay, it's just like a watered-down version of the 75 hard. It's just a lot easier where you stick to your goals for 50 days. It's seven different goals. You got to wake up before eight. Mine's is wake up before six. You have to um, meditate at least five minutes a day. You have to journal. You have to spend one hour learning a new skill. I don't – I kind of make that one the way I want it because they say learn a new skill – every day but i don't think you can learn a skill in an hour so right now my skill is becoming a better salesman so every day i watch youtube videos at least an hour on how to make funnels how to persuade people how to talk to people how to do that type of stuff then it's workout at least an hour a day and then the last one is to eat healthy for that day whatever diet that you want to do so that's what i'm working on now after i do the 50 day challenge or the 50 it's Project 50 is the name of it. Once I get that done, then I'm going to go do Andy's thing and do the 70, do the 75 hard. So 75 hard, I think that's going to bring discipline to anybody. So if anybody's listening, they don't have discipline do 75 hard. It's going to suck. Like I'm on day four right now and oh, I'm already tired, dude. Like, I, And I'm, it's kicking my butt and I already work out for the last year straight. 
I've worked out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day without fail. I have not literally missed one day. I've not slept in one day in an entire year. That's how disciplined I have been in my workouts. But now working out from five times a week to moving it to 14 times in one week is very, very, very difficult. And so my body is sore as crap right now. I'm running that I and I don't normally run. I have to go out. It's only 20 degrees, 30 degrees outside where I live right now, but I still have to go run. Thankfully, I don't have two foot, foot, foot of snow. But if you want to build discipline, do 75 hard. And if you quit, if you quit it, then you realize you don't have as much discipline as you need. But right. if you don't quit it, you can succeed in literally anything in life. So think about that. Think about that, the people that are listening. Do it. Don't quit. And you'll be successful. Guaranteed. I'm going to give you a little bit of pushback on that. For the okay. reason, okay, my question, okay, my pushback is this. If, let's just say, not me, but let's just take me, for example. If I, do you think that there are certain prerequisites that you should have before you go do 75 hard? Because if I don't work out at all, I think it may be kind of like setting myself up for failure to say, all right, now I'm going to work out two days a week, every single day, plus the that, other that, three or four that's, things. It's fair. So I will tell you, I used to be a personal trainer back when I was in college and your body does need does need time to recuperate. So what you're saying is factual. Do I think you could have still done it? Yes. But do I think it would have been, obviously it would have been a lot easier if you're already kind of in, in decent shape, right? I'm already in pretty decent shape. But if I would have started from like, oh my gosh, um, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight, um, you know, I eat really bad and then go just quit cold turkey and start doing that. Yeah, you're probably going to fail. I think 99% of people are going to fail at that. But the 1% are going to be super successful, whatever <laughs> they decide to do. But that doesn't mean the other 99% won't be, mm -hmm. uh, to your point. I do, But I do think it would be a little easier if you maybe worked out for like a month, maybe like, you know, one workout a day for like a month and then jump into 75 hard. Right. At that point, you would be better prepared for it. Yeah. And also, I think... Uh, um something that people think when they hear about 75 hard, I, I think the workout is the, is the biggest part of it. But I think people think you have to spend, cause I correct me if I'm wrong. It's two workouts a day. They have to be at least 45 minutes each. And one has to be outside, but the one outside doesn't have to be you running a whole marathon. You can do walking, right? So it can be walking yeah. in the morning and then your gym at night. So how do you do it? So I actually do gym first thing in the morning. Um, that's the way I've always worked out. Uh, I go to the gym at 7 a.m. I'm in front of my computer by 8.30 doing Amazon stuff. Um, now at night, I'm running every day. On the weekends, I'm going to, instead of uh, running, I'm going to go play disc golf. And only if you've ever played disc golf or not, I'm going to go play actual golf. I'm going to go do something outside. I'm not going to do yard work. I'm going to go do something on the weekend. So I do, I can take a break mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday from running. Mm -hmm. But Monday through Friday is going to be strictly running and a strict workout. But I think that's, it's going to give my muscles a little time to rest because right now my legs, dude, when I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you after like a day or two of running, like I pulled something to my hammy and I had to ask myself yesterday, I said, do you want to do this? And the answer was yes. And so like I was hobbling out there running, but you know what? I did it. And that's just the mindset. Again, that's just the discipline. You have to have discipline. If you have discipline, in life and you're going to have discipline in business. And then that means you're going to be successful. 
Um, I want to ask you, I want to talk about discipline because I had a good point on that, but about the 75 hard, it's the two workouts a day, it's the eat a, a, a diet. What are the other parts of it? So you have to drink one gallon of water. Okay, yeah. Um, part of following a diet is you're not allowed to have any cheap meals and you're not allowed to have any alcohol. Okay. Which is difficult considering I'm going on a week-long snow trip uh, up to Canada literally like next week. Right. Um the other thing is you have to read 10 pages of a self-help book per day. Oh, sorry. You, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. That was the other thing about the Project 50. You have to read 10 pages a day. But okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so they have that in common, which I think is honestly really important, especially if it's a self-help book. Right now, I'm reading Gary Vee's book right here. Actually, Crush show it. it to you. It's, yes, crush, Crushing yeah. It. It's the second version, so I'm, oh, I'm amped about it. Never version? Read the first. Second version. How um how recent is that? Because I didn't even so know that he had that. It's crushing it. So the first one is crush it. And then, and then the second one is crushing it. I'm going to write that to you on Instagram. So don't think I'm retarded. I just don't want to forget it. No, you're fine, bro. Um, I don't know how new it is. But I would assume it's within the last year or two because he talks about his old book a lot. Okay. But it's just it's just updated. Um, a lot of the a lot of the YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all a lot of that stuff has changed. And so he basically made an updated version of it. And then he took a lot of people's stories that read the first book and became successful. And a lot of those people are now in this book. And so it's awesome. Okay. I want to talk about reading, but I want to go back to the discipline thing. One thing that I did that was um that helped me build my discipline, because I do believe discipline is a it's like a muscle. So I think you can build it. I think you can start with a little bit of discipline and do certain things to make it even stronger. But one thing that I did is that when I first, before I, because I like to say that I'm a dis, I'm a disciplined person now, but when I wasn't dis disciplined, I would make these big, big goals. Like I want to, with my YouTube channel, I want to get a hundred thousand subscribers. But now what I do is I say, take this podcast. I say, I want to start this podcast. Of course, I want to get it to as big as possible, but it, Instead of thinking about how big I can get it, I say, you know what? I want to do this. I'm going to do 10 episodes. That's all I'm going to worry, worry about is just getting these 10 episodes out every single week. And then when I get to 10 episodes, I can reevaluate and think about if I want to go more. And usually from my personal experience, when I do those type of things, I get to that small goal that I set. And I'm so motivated from the from the momentum that I had that I just keep going to the next thing. So I think breaking things down into smaller goals is a really good way of building discipline because if you make it so far ahead of what you really can like do, it seems so far away. And I think that makes it, it easier is. to actually quit. Yeah. So I like to break it down into smaller things. It's overwhelming when you, when you think about a large goal in yeah. front of you, I completely agree with everything you just said. I mean, if you break something up, you're, it's easier to have that discipline. So, you know, what? I'm going to do something for one month mm -hmm. and I kind of did with digital marketing when I when I initially started, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it for only three months. I'm going to do it for three months. And I'm going to give it my all. Well, the three months was over. I did the same thing you did the three months with the podcast. When the three months was over, I said, you know what, I'm going to give it another three months. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give it to the end of the year. I'm going to give it an entire year of working my butt off to see. And, and it's OK that I failed. Um, and again, I didn't have any discipline in my life. Before two years ago, I just did not. And that's the reason I kept failing. I kept trying new things because I kept wanting everything to come to me easy. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work that way. Exactly. Another thing that I like to do that I learned to do is that I forgot, I forgot the exact quote, but it's 
Don't worry about the destination. Focus on the journey. And before I never knew what that was, but the way I take it now is don't worry about the outcome. Let's say you want to lose weight. Don't say I want to lose 80 pounds in the next year because you really can't control that because your body may not, maybe you lose 10 pounds one month and then the next month you still do everything that you're supposed to do and you lose two pounds. And that would, if you're focused on the actual outcome of it, then you would be very discouraged from that. So what I do is I focus on the journey. I ask myself, what can I do? So let's take this podcast again. I can reach out to other Amazon sellers. I can ask them if they want to come on a podcast. I can put on the best podcast that I possibly can. I can work on the way I talk and the way I ask questions. I can't control who's going to watch or listen to the podcast, but I know if I put in that work, 99% of the time, I'm going to get the success that I'm looking for. So I focus more on the actual input than the output. And I think that that helps me out a lot. Yeah. You focus on actionable steps that you can control, exactly. Which, exactly. which is exactly what we're talking about right now, right? That's exact. That's exactly what discipline is. I mean, if you have discipline, and then you're going to make actionable steps, and those actionable steps, you have to do those actionable steps. If you do those actionable steps, that doesn't mean that you can't fail. That doesn't mean that only maybe fifty people might listen to this podcast, right? But I'm more than 50 as long as, <laughs> yeah, that's why that's what I'm talking about. Let's go more than fifty. Honestly, bro, podcasts are not easy. Anybody that says podcasts are hard, I mean, I think a successful podcast, if you can get 100 people listening consistently to a podcast, in my opinion, that's successful because I'm that takes a long time. That's good. And you're already <laughs> successful, man. It takes a long time to build that. So yeah, congratulations on you for that. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, I would like, I'm a very, very avid reader, but that's something that I had to build. Like before I was 32, I probably read like six books in my whole life. And that was mostly because of school and, and things like that. But from 32 to where I'm at now, I'm easily over 150 books. And all of them are in the self-help realm. So my question for you is earlier, you said to read self-help self -help books. So why do you think people should read self-help books instead of Harry Potter, The Maze Runner, or any other type of fiction thing? Why should people lean towards self-help? Because it builds the mindset and, you know, and it's funny that you said that you didn't hardly read any books before 32. I was the same way until like a year or two ago, man. And it, it just came down to discipline again, right? I hate reading. And so I'm just not a reader. I don't want to read Harry Potter. I'd rather watch the movie. So <laughs> from 2000 and I don't know, ever since I was 20 years old, all the way to probably 28, 29 years old, I think I read maybe like one book. Um, and it might've been like Scooby-Doo or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh now i've read three books in the last year and a half which is a lot for me and they've all been self-help books but it, it's helped build mindsets into something that i can control and kind of funnel that energy into my amazon business right because that's that's what it's all about um is of course making money um but having a successful business that we can just go around the world and do whatever we want to do uh we're our own boss and that's the coolest thing that you can you know ask for how much of the past two years of you becoming more disciplined and doing these 75 hard things and doing the things that may not come easy to you or that you don't like, like reading and working out and things like that. How much of that do you think reflects in your success as an Amazon seller? I think it's all the success, right? I think it's anybody that's successful on Amazon has discipline. Um, Amazon automation is bull crap. You know, Amazon drop shipping is bull crap. All this stuff. Like if you want to actually have success, you actually have to put in the work. And so many people want to see these goals, right? Everybody wants to be at $100,000 a month seller. 
And why wouldn't they want to be, right? But you can have all the thought process, but if you don't actually take the action, you're never going to be there. And so having this discipline has helped me. One, sourcing is obviously one of the toughest things, I think, in the Amazon space, right? I think he would agree with that. Yes, I I would. Finding products is the hardest thing there is in Amazon. If you can find products and have a steady stream of products, then you're going to be successful more than likely. Well, how do you find those products, right? And so that's where it builds discipline. If they were just hanging on a tree that you could just go, you know, pick off of a tree like an apple, then everybody would be an Amazon seller and it wouldn't be worth doing. Right. Um, and so the reason it's hard is the reason you can become successful with it. Um, and so if you don't have discipline, you'll never be a successful Amazon seller. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. And I'm going to ask you this. Do you think a person can be disciplined in one avenue of life? but the rest of their life is like a burning house. Like, so you can be a good Amazon seller, but you're not reading at all. You're not disciplined in the way you eat or the way you work out. Your family life is going to shit, but you're still a seven figure Amazon seller. Or do you think yeah, discipline? hundred percent. Okay. And I mean, I know people that are, uh, I mean, I'm not going to knock anybody that's overweight because I was overweight two years ago. And so, you know, everybody has their own journey, right? And I, honestly, I was over, I'm was i an overweight right now. I'm trying to lose weight. Um, and it's my fault for letting that go. Um, and so I wasn't as disciplined as I would have been like to be in my you know eating habits and things like that in my diet over the last three months. And so I've gained 10 pounds. Well, you know, so yeah, I, I do think that you can have, you don't have to be disciplined in every aspect of your life, but if you don't have discipline in general and can't focus your discipline on one particular project, then you're still going to be, you're still going to fail. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think this may sound bad, but whatever, fuck it. Um, <laughs> if I was a new Amazon seller and I had two different Amazon sellers one, and then they both had, let's say they're both seven figure sellers and they're trying to sell me a coaching, a coaching plan. And I wanted to do that. I would much rather go with the person who I see is disciplined in other avenues of their life than just a person who is disciplined just in the Amazon selling space. Cause I just think, I personally think that everything comes together and you can be successful in one avenue, but not in the other ones. But I think you're a not much better person. I, I just think life has a better quality when you're disciplined over all the avenues instead of just one. Cause I mean, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be making money and being a seven figure seller, but are you really happy in all the other parts of your life? Yeah. Discipline actually brings happiness. It's kind of yes. funny. Okay. Um, it might not bring happiness at the beginning. Cause you'd think, Oh man, this sucks, but discipline brings happiness. And I, what I mean by that is, is if you have discipline, you're going to start succeeding eventually. And then if you start having more money, that brings obviously that brings happiness. Money can't buy happiness, but money can buy me a boat. You know, uh, nothing else can buy me a boat. And I'm pretty happy on a boat. You know, you ever you probably heard the <laughs> you probably heard the thing of like, hey, you know, money can't buy happiness. But have you ever seen somebody sad riding a jet ski? No. The answer is no. Right. No. So I agree with you 100. percent And we're going down different avenues and everything that we're talking about is honestly what I like talking about more than just Amazon. But I say, okay, this is the way I, people always say money can't buy happiness. Money can't buy happiness, but I always go back with this. Um, money can't buy happiness. Sure. But it can make every situation I can think of better. Even if it goes to your health, like maybe like God forbid it, but somebody gets cancer or, or things like that. If you have more money, you can do more. Like you can get better treatment. 
if you food, if you have money, you can eat better food. Like it's just money brings money makes things better. It's just it's just the fact about mm-hmm. it. And I think that people who say money can't buy happiness are the people that don't have discipline and don't really understand. And they probably don't have, have money. Cause I've never seen a really rich person say money doesn't buy happiness because it doesn't buy happiness, but it makes things a lot better. You know, who says those things, you know, who says that quote, money can't buy happiness. It's the people that are poor and it's the yes. people that don't want to put in the work to get rich. And so they, so immediately they throw it off because they don't have discipline again, going back to this discipline, they don't have discipline. So they say, you know what? It's easy for me to say, oh, money can't buy happiness. That way I can make an excuse so I don't have to go do any of that work. And that's, a, that it all comes full circle. Facts. That is 100% facts. All right. So we haven't talked about any Amazon stuff since the beginning. So let's get. Thank you. Huh? Be cool. Okay. Yeah, about we, cool. we did talk about be, be cool. Um, Question. When you decided to go back to selling on Amazon, what kind of things were you selling at the beginning then? I was selling a bunch of stuff from Hibbets.com. That's how I got my start back then. And so I started that doing that now until I got banned. So I was selling like bats, gloves, kind of things I know about, right? Um, so categories I know about. Uh, and now I've completely switched my category that I sell. And majority of the stuff I sell now is vitamins, which is very weird. Um, probably 60% of the, my items that I sell are vitamins, but it started off in the sporting goods store, you know, and in, in the sporting goods category, because that's what I knew best. Um, and so that's kind of how I got my start. Okay. From going from Hibbit selling bats and gloves and more sporting good stuff. Did you hire a coach or do a course or just do YouTube? Like, how did you go from that to doing what you're doing now? Like what kind of pivot did you, besides being banned, like how did you learn the knowledge to start going into multivitamins and things like that? So that's a good question. So actually, no, I didn't have a course or I didn't have any type of coach. Um, and I think majority of people do need that, though. Um, I'm one of the few successful success stories without that. And I think the reason is, is because I already had some previous knowledge in it. I mean, you got to remember, I'd, I'd already been reselling for three or four years in college and then selling for a year and a half probably on Amazon before that. And so I already kind of had some knowledge. I already knew how to reverse source, which majority of people have to learn that skill. I already knew that skill because I learned it. But again, back in those things, probably before it was even called reverse sourcing, I kind of just figured it out and got lucky one day. Honestly, it wasn't like a, wasn't like I just was smarter than everybody else. I'm, I'm not that smart. Honestly. I mean, you go back and look at my grades and in, in high school, they're probably C's and B's, you know, and all my friends are getting A's, but it doesn't matter because I'm street smart. Um, and so I had to learn some of that through YouTube to answer your question. Yes, I learned a lot of the, like the finer things in life through YouTube. And then I really paid a lot of attention to detail to people's content that they were putting out. And every time I learned, they said something that I did not know, I wrote it down and put, I put it in a folder. And so after about a year or so, all this knowledge just kept coming together. It's, I think I was doing probably like, I don't know, I think I did like 20 or $30,000 in sales, um, like two months in, in Amazon, right? And then I was still at a $25,000, $30,000 mark for like probably like five months. And then all of a sudden, I kind of just really, I just figured it out. And then I went to, you know, 40000 then I went to 55000 then I went to 65000 70000 then all of a sudden I dropped to 90 or 100 and And it just, it happens really quick, quick once you figure it out. I think the main thing that, figured it out for me was understanding how to 
relate all of my knowledge that I had learned over to my VA so I could take off the sourcing part of it mine and focus on other parts of the business. Right. I really believe that and I uh, uh, agree with you. I think Amazon, I always say it's simple, but it's not easy. And I really like selling on Amazon compared to eBay or anything else because there is a with Amazon, it's all data. There really is no guessing or like maybe this will work or maybe this. It's like data driven. And I really like things that are data driven. And I think if you sell long enough and you're taking in outside information and learning, I think it comes to that point to where like because you always see I just inter um, interviewed somebody, Ecom Diana. One month she was doing 2.5, then the next month she was doing 16,000, then the month after that she was doing almost 35,000. And I think- Yeah, I follow her, yeah. Yeah, it comes to a point to where it just clicks. You get the system and then you just realize that it's just learning your system and then just repeating it and scaling it. And I think that's how Amazon sellers can go from just taking it like a part-time job thing to really making some real big money. Yeah. And I think most people need to coach. And I know you coach people. So a lot of people that are listening, you know, if you're listening, don't think you can just do it yourself. Because if you do it yourself, it could take you honestly probably a year to learn it and you're going to get your butt kicked. Imagine if you just invested in a coach, you could literally save 11 months of your life and learn it all in one month versus you're going to learn everything in one month. But you can learn majority of the basics and have a kind of a roadmap to follow versus I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes and lose a bunch of money in the next 12 months because I'm, you know, not smart enough to go get a coach, you know? Um, this podcast is not about me. It's about you. And you are also an Amazon coach. And the way I see coaching, I think, well, I have three different coaches, coaches. Now I have a speech coach coach. I have a health coach and I have a life coach and the life coach. Pretty, pretty much. It's, it's not like, Oh, spiritual things. He just, helps me with like my finances and where I'm basically, he's more of a time management coach, basically. I just got a coach recently um, to help me with, you know, entrepreneurship, more of like from like a coaching aspect, myself teaching other people how to get more clients and, and kind of things like that. Right. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful. Um, and I know you mentioned to me before that you had something like that at one point too, um, because you know, you, you want to look at people that have been there, done that, right. They're going to take time. I had to invest in them, but they're going to take time off of your life and 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 kind of cut the learning curve down from a year all the way down to one month. And even if you pursue it for a year, that doesn't mean you're still going to be successful and know exactly where where, where, they, where they need to be, right? So everybody is teaching somebody something else. Another guy in my area, um, he does storage unit facilities, and he has bought three storage unit facilities with zero money down. And so one of the and and I and I told him I was like, bro, I want you to mentor me. And he already told me he would. So I'm like, heck yeah, awesome. Guy's like, I think 60 years old. He's been retired since he was 45. Nice. He bought his first uh storage unit facility with zero money down. And he did that by saying, you know what? And there's a lot of moving parts in between here, but I'm just gonna give the basics of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what he would do is he would go find some land and then he would get the value of that land. Then he would uh, go get a plan to build a storage unit facility on it. Then he would go get that appraised. And so if all that together costs, you know, $1.2 million, well, if the appraisal comes back $2 million, he would take that to the bank and, with, with, a, with a plan and so he would say, hey, look, here's my plan. Um, and this wasn't before 2008 either. I mean, he did it obviously before 2008, but now he's done it since then as well. Right. Banks have gotten a lot tighter since 2008, but he did that since then and it's still working. He told me he just did another one literally last year. So I know this strategy is working to this day. And so 
he's somebody I want to learn from. He's a mentor. He's, he's, he's not necessarily a coach, but it's the same thing. Two parts to that. I remember what I wanted to say about coaching, the way I see coaching. It's like, let's say you wanted to go on a trip from New York to California. You could just hop in your car and you could just start driving. You might get there, but it's going to take you a long ass time to get there. But if you had a GPS or a map, which is the coach, you can get there a lot quicker. So I, that's just the way I see coaching. It just helps you get to your goal a lot quicker. Now. And, and that's true. I agree. Yeah. And now my question, because you said about mentors, how important do you think it is to have mentors? Oh, my gosh. It's it's almost you almost have to have one uh, if you want to be successful. Um, you can get, you can be successful without one, but I can tell you right now, if, if a guy has two or three mentors with people that have actually been there, done that versus people that don't have it, mm -hmm. I'm going to kill my goals compared to you. I mean, it's just facts. I mean, unless you just get lucky, um, or, and just have that relentless mindset of working 10 times harder than I do, which you don't have that. I have that mindset in general now. And also I have a mentor to show me the way. So it's vital in everything you do and there's mentors all around us you don't have to have a mentor online that lives states away you can literally have one in your backyard like myself look at successful people around you look at people that have businesses in the community that that maybe they're family friends so this guy's a family friend like he knows me he knows me um and now all of a sudden he's willing to pour into me for free just because he likes me but because he also wants me to be successful like he was right and he knows i'm willing to put in the work and effort i agree with you on that 100 i have a couple of mentors like i have my i think of coaches and mentors as two different people or two different avenues but um i have two mentors one is for business and then one is just for overall life because he's he's actually a multi-millionaire and this okay this is my question not about that but how would a person, do you think a person can go about finding and getting a mentor, whether that's health, Amazon, life, whatever it is? So the best mentor is going to be somebody that you know already personally in your life because they're going to be the ones that care. A coach is going to be somebody different, obviously. Um, you can go find any coach online. Just Google any type of coach you want, you, and you're going to find a, a thousand of them, right? Um, a mentor, if they don't care about you, then they're not really going to pour into you. And so that that's what you're looking for, somebody that cares about you. And if everybody should know at least one person that's successful, go get that person. That, if you if you only know one, go get that one person. A lot of people, I think a lot of people don't know somebody as that is successful or their level of Which success. It's just sad if that's the case. It is. Or their level of success is not a real level of success, which I'm nobody to judge what success is, but some people think that's successful. It's well, I guess it just depends on the person. So let's just scratch that. But I but I want to add on to how to find a mentor. Cause I really because I cause one of because one of my mentors is somebody that I used to work for. I work for him and he has a security company, but his security company is his the oh the um umbrella is the security company, but he's in like 10 different cities and he has like 10 different smaller so, so, 10 different smaller security companies under that. So I got fired from that job, of course, because I suck at working for other people. Wow. But he saw something. And now he's mentoring you. You got fired and now he's mentoring you. That's so yes. funny. The thing is, is that he's an American, like I'm in Germany. He's an American also. So he, so I kind of had that, um, that type of co connection with him. But he also was like, 
he fired me. He was the one firing me. And when he fired me, he was like, okay, I have to fire you because you're too busy worried about making your own money, doing your YouTube, doing your Amazon, doing things like that. But I respect that. And there's some things that I want to show you. So I talked to him like twice a week and he just talked to me about business and different ideas and, and things like that. So that's how I found that one's um, mentor. And my other mentor is the other way I want to say that you can find a mentor is don't go up to somebody and just say, hey, can you mentor me? Especially if you don't know that person, the best oh, way yeah, to find not. the best way I think to find a mentor is to offer them some type of skill or some type of service. So the other mentor that I have for health is he's at my gym, but he sucks at promotion. So I was like, I'll help you build up your following, how to make better content, how to how to do things like that. And you help me with my health goals. And that's how I got that mentor. So offering some type of service or some type of um yeah. Yeah. You didn't trade with them basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then that's a great idea. Honestly, you know, a lot of it's, it's tough going up to a million multimillionaire though and saying, Hey, what can I give you that you don't already have that you can't buy? Right. True. And True. It's, it's easier obviously with the health coach, but like if you're just looking for like a monetary success, like this guy, I can't give that guy in my area anything. Yeah. Um, But you know what I've found is a lot of rich people, they want to share how I was just it. about to say that. I was just about All to say them do, that. bro. They're I like, was just about to say that. there's no reason to get rich and then not tell everybody, kind of not kind of like brag and tell everybody how you did it. Right. And so like almost every rich person wants to, wants to tell you that. Um, and so you can honestly, you don't even have to say the word mentor. You can just go up to him and be like, Hey, tell me, tell me how you got to where you're, you're at. Don't, don't say, Hey, be my mentor. You know, say, Hey, tell me how you got to where you're at. And then he just might end up being, becoming a mentor. Um, without even knowing it right and so yeah. that's another way to find one i was just about to say that that in the world especially in the media people who are rich are portrayed as selfish egotistical assholes and that is such and that is so not the actual truth i'm not going to say i know a thousand different mil millionaires but i know a few millionaires that i got close to and everyone that i've ever talked to they're eager to like share how they did it and what you can do and how you can learn from it. But I just think, cause I'm ex experiencing that now. I'm not saying I'm a millionaire cause I'm not, but I'm very out there with my content. And so many people hit me up and say, Hey, can you teach me? And they just want me to lay everything out. But I think the thing that these people are looking for is they want to see the drive in you. So if you have that drive and you're willing to learn and you're willing to take what they give you and actually put it into um, action, then they're way more willing to give you more information. But I get a lot of people that say, hey, show me how to sell on Amazon. And then I'll tell them what to do. And then like a month later, you check on them and be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I still haven't started. And this is the process. I still haven't done that. Oh, yes. God, I hate those DMs, bro. Yes. That kind of, that, that grinds my gears, man. Yes. Gosh. And honestly, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why I charge like, of, of course, I want to make money off of my knowledge. That's just the way it is. But another reason why I charge for coaching is that when you give things to people for free, they don't take it serious. But when they invest money in it, then they take it a lot more serious. And, and I don't want to waste my time because I got to the point now to where my time is more valuable than money. So I really value my time so much. So if I'm going to give you a piece of my time, then I need to at least see that you're going to take the information and actually run with it and get better as a person also. I agree. I think if you spend money with a coach, you're going to be a lot more invested. Like, so like there's a bunch of knowledge on YouTube. Honestly, you could go learn how to sell on Amazon 
for free on YouTube. Now, the issue is there's so many different people pulling you in a million different directions, telling you all these different things, and you don't know who to listen to. That, that's kind of the main issue with YouTube because um, the, the content is out there to, to start an entire Amazon business. But the, the issue with this, again, there's no roadmap on YouTube, right? It, 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 there's all these videos of how to do this, how to do that. There's not literally one video that it says, all right, you need to go watch this video, then this, 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 this. There's no roadmap, right, for success. Agree with that. You can definitely go on YouTube and learn how to sell on Amazon, but there's a saying that you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen because if you are watching yes. my videos, you're watching Miles' video, you're watching Warner's video, you're watching Nikki's videos, we all sell different ways. So we may just be talking about I'll say replans is the way. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna do that. Then Miles will say sales is the way. And then Nikki will say retail arbitrage is the way. So you're just getting so much information and you don't even know which one to go with. So I really believe in coaching because that'll give you just that roadmap. Or even, or even if you don't want to do coaching because you can't afford it, because I've learned that's the only reason why people won't do coaching is because they just can't afford it. At yeah, the they want to do uh, it. Yeah. They just can't afford it. Exactly, which is okay because I started and I didn't have money to do it. But pick one YouTuber that you can resonate with and just follow their information. Don't take any outside things because that's where you start to get lost and start worrying about things that don't even matter. You don't get how many people I get. Oh, I want to start selling on Amazon and they don't even have an account, but they're like, how do I do wholesale? How do I get a prep um, center? How do I get a VA? I'm like, how about you uh, yeah, sign up for down, Amazon right? first? Yeah, exactly. Tell them to slow exactly. down. Exactly. Tell them just like, hey, go open up an Amazon account first before you do anything. And once you've opened an Amazon account, okay, let's go to the next, let's go to the next issue. Let's go to the next roadblock. How do I get inventory? Well, let's go, let's go on YouTube and start, figure out how I can get inventory the easiest way. Okay. So I think that'd be as, a good option. As an Amazon coach, I want to, cause I want to talk to you about this. What is your favorite? Okay. As a prospect to be, to go for your coaching, what is the ideal person for you? Is it somebody that is brand new who doesn't know anything about Amazon or is it more of a person who already started Amazon, but they just can't get over a certain hump? So that's a good question. I actually just niched down for this. And so my main target person that I'm trying to reach that I really want to work with, that's like, oh my gosh, that's the guy, is not necessarily somebody that's somebody selling on Amazon right now. Um, I want them to be brand new. The reason I want them to be brand new is because I want them to be at a nine to five. I want them to be a young entrepreneur, kind of like myself, between the ages of you know 22, at least at a college, from 22 to 35, to be at a nine to five and know what it and know what it, you know, it sucks to be at a nine to five. I, I want them to know that that thought process. I want them to know how bad it sucks and them want to get out. Like that, that that's who I want to, that's who I want to target because, and that's who I want to teach because I was that person. And so I think I want to teach that person because that was me. Um, and I have a passion towards that person because I know how bad it sucked and I know how much I enjoy life now. And so it's, it's kind of who I want to target. I am 100. Well, let me not say I am 95% in agreement with you. And that's the same person because I got my target demographic from my YouTube videos. My YouTube videos get 80% male viewership and they're between the age of 25 and 30 and 35. And the people that usually write me are males who are between the age of 25 to 35 who have a full-time job and they're just looking for something else. But I kind of niche, 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 niched down a little bit more. And I like to work with people who already started selling on Amazon and they already have their Amazon uh, account set up, but they just don't know how to actually, they don't have the system in place. Cause to me, it takes, when you are, it shows me 
that you're more serious when you already took it upon yourself to sign up for Amazon, go through that whole process. Cause that process can be very tedious and take a while with your, your bill mm. and this and that. So I like people who kind of already started, but they just don't know where to go from that. But I can see from your way, starting with somebody brand new also. It, it shows initiative is what you're saying. And I yes, agree with that. Exactly. Honestly. And, and I, and I take those people. I had a, I just took a guy on like a couple of weeks ago and he was, and he's a beast. Honestly, this kid is like uh like 20 years old and he's no, normally my target market, but the guy's got like a ton of money for like a 20 year old. And the reason he has a ton of money is because homeboy is just going over there flipping shoes and stuff. And so he, I don't know how he figured it out. I still don't even know exactly what he does. Cause he's kind of secretive about it, but he buys shoes in bulk somehow, some way, not, not online. I don't know where he gets them from, but then he sells them to retail stores. Oh, wow. Like he sells them to like stores, like within like a, like he, like he drives to those retail stores and sells them to them. And so like, he's got all these different numbers from all these different people in the retail industry. And he literally buys shoes and he sends him exactly what he has. And he says, Hey, I'll sell you these Nike dunks for $120, you know, and then they'll buy them and, lit and put them on their store for like 200 or whatever it may be. But I just think it's very interesting that he, he figured out a business model I didn't even know existed. Um, and he was pretty successful at that. So I knew he was going to be successful at Amazon. Um, and he'd actually already started a, he already got an account and he just didn't know where to get inventory kind of the same thing you're you're saying right now so um that type of person too is that that's taking initiative that's already kind of in that space and knows exactly what what to expect because so i think the ex expectations of starting is, is is the hardest part really yeah i agree with you and i think i don't even know who you're talking about but i think if i because i was going to ask you what made him want to start doing amazon but is it the fact that he wants to buy some of his time back because I'm guessing he has to go actually talk to these people, go drive all around, spend time in the truck doing all that. So maybe he just wants to get some of his time back and Amazon just seems like more of a fit for him. Yeah. So we actually had a meeting at like one o'clock the third day and home dude was like, yeah, man, I got up at 3 a.m. because a business holder had texted me the night before saying he wanted all his shoes, blah, blah, blah. So he got up at 3 a.m., drove like four hours away to deliver like 50 or 60 pairs of shoes, then drove four hours back. And I'm just like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I just got back 10 minutes ago. I, I, I made it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty tired. I'm like, well, yeah, that, that's the reason why. It's just not, it's, his business isn't scalable. Um, even though he's been successful at it, he can continue doing what he's doing right now and make probably, you know, fifty to $75,000 a year in profit from what he's doing. But he could honestly make that in a year, four or five years from now, or in a month, four or five um, years from now, if he just works his butt off on Amazon. How do you vet? Have you ever turned down somebody? Yes. Can I ask why? Mental mindset. They just didn't have it. Mm -hmm. um, you can start asking questions and you can realize that they're just going to be a pain in the butt to work with. Um, you don't want to take everybody on as a client, obviously, and you know that, but if they don't have the mental mindset. I'm such a big mindset person um, because I used, I didn't used to be that way, but you can't teach somebody a mental mindset. They either have it or they don't like you can tell them, Hey, your mental mindset sucks. You have zero discipline, but they can't change that in a week. It takes time to change discipline. Um, you can't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to have discipline today. Yeah, exactly. I've turned down two different people and they signed up for the coaching. They paid the price that I was asking for. And the first person I refunded their money after two weeks because they kept canceling on me. It was always a problem. Oh, this happened. That happened. Can oh, heck no. Yeah. Nah. I canceled that person. And then the other person is when I do my coaching, 
at the end of the coaching, at the end of the coaching call, I give them homework for the next week. And it's not Same. like I want to be a teacher and say, hey, you got to do this. But that just shows me how much you're going to do it. Because it's easy to get on a call with me for like an hour and listen. But are you going to actually put that information into action? And this person for, for like the first two two weeks, I gave them homework, bring back five products the next week. Not that hard to do after I taught you how to actually do it. You should be able to do that in a couple of days. But they just kept back, oh, I wasn't able to find this product or that product. And they just weren't catching on quick enough. And I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the smartest person, but there has to be a level of intelligence that you have to be at to be able to catch on to this type of stuff. And I'm not like the way shows laziness. Yeah. And then the way I see it, it's like, I'm a coach, but I like to say more of a mentor. Cause I'm not going to write you two days later. Like, Hey, you need to get sourcing. You should be sourcing. How many problems um, product products you got? Like you have to take some type of initiative. And if, if, if I don't see that initiative, then I really can't help you. And I would feel kind of guilty. Just take, just taking your money when I know you're probably not going to make it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, What made you want to, go from just being an Amazon seller to actually teaching other, other people how to, how to do it. Um, when I quit my job, I was pretty excited about it. Um, and then when I started actually making some good money, you know, I thought to myself, man, I really wish it would have been somebody else. Um, and, and, and that kind of sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm not this like great person. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm the greatest person ever. I just want to help everybody for free. You know I mean? I mean, obviously I wanted to do it because I wanted to make money, but I also saw the opportunity too that one, I could help people at the same time Two, I could, I could make money. And so that's kind of like knocking out the best of both worlds. Right. And so I don't like to leave my, all my eggs in one basket. I teach my, you know, clients the same thing. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You need to have multiple streams of income and you need to, if Amazon is just one. Amazon could shut your account down tomorrow exactly. and say, suck it, mm-hmm. Drew. You, you you have nothing to do. I better have multiple streams of income. So rental properties is what I'm working on right now. I already have one. I'm, I want to get a lot more, obviously. Nice. Um, I want to be able to coach. Um, so that if my Amazon for, account, for some reason, just sh- they just decide to shut it down for some stupid reason, no matter what, and it's not out of my, and it's out of my control that I can at least coach people still, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I still have all the knowledge, or at least I can coach people for the next six months or so um, until things start changing and I have to figure out something else I want to do. Um, but so those three things right there are all incomes that I can I can count on in the future. And so I tell people, my clients, the same thing. Hey, start on Amazon. Once you get Amazon going for about six months to a year, start investing that money somewhere else, you know? Um, invest it in other, some other type of asset or or some type of uh, cash producing asset that's going to bring you money in every month. I agree with that 100%. And I, my theory is this, I think, I don't think everybody has to quit their job and become a full-time entrepreneur. But I think if one thing we've learned from 2020 to now is that even your safe job is not safe. It's not something safe, like a, no. Something like a pandemic can happen and a business, like let's just say that you worked in a restaurant for the past 20 years. You've been working in, in that restaurant. It's safe. You have a job. They love you. A pandemic can happen. All the restaurants are shut down and then the owner of the restaurant has no choice because they're worried about their own money. They have no choice to let you go, but that job was safe. So I just think that even if you have your full-time job and you're happy with that, everybody should have some type of out some type of other income just in case something happened, just yeah. in case you can pick at least two. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. At minimum. There's a theory that, um, not a theory. There's a saying, I don't remember what it is, but all of it, but it's like 
think of income or think as think of your money as a stool or as a table. If you have one leg on that table, it's never going to stand up. But if you put two, three, and four on there, then it's always going to stand up. And if you take one of those legs away, that table is still going to stand. So I see if your job is the only leg you have on that table, once you take that leg away, your yeah, table's going to fall. You're screwed. Exactly. Yeah, and I realized that quickly about five or six months into Amazon. I think Amazon is a great place to, to make money. Don't get me wrong. Um and you're not going to get your account suspended as long as you're not doing any anything wrong, as long as you're not drop shipping or doing something like that. But I went to a Miami Sellers Conference uh, the beginning of last year, and I talked with one of the guys that does wholesale, and he was doing like $200,000 a month. You might even know him. I can't, I'm blanking his name. Um, but he got his account shut down literally in like the busiest time of the year, like around December 1st, and it was shut down for a month and a half, and he could not control it. So what happened was he was buying products from a wholesaler. Well, somebody else was also buying those products from that same exact wholesaler, and they were putting their sticker, like they were making their own sticker, their own brand, and putting it over the other person's brand. Oh, wow. Basically counterfeiting it as their own brand. And so basically that fake brand reached out to Amazon and said, hey, this person's counterfeiting our brand. And so he immediately got kicked off Amazon and he had to like get lawyers and lawyer up. He had to go to like, not even the wholesaler, but the actual person, the distributor that actually that owns this place and the basically brand, yeah. get all this different st documentation from them. And it took a month and a half, dude. And guy had to pay his bills, had to do all this sort of stuff for a month and a half. So he could eventually get this off. Now, this is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. This does not happen to normal Amazon sellers, um, but it does. It still can happen, right? Our account could get shut down for something like that tomorrow. More than likely, we're going to get it back. Probably a very high chance we're going to get it back as long as we're not drop shipping, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he got it back, um, but he, he had to deeply go into detail of like what happened, lawyer up and when he got it back, now he's more he's more thankful now than ever. He sees this opportunity, you know, something that could be pulled away at any moment. And so it goes back to the other incomes. When I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of scary. I don't know if I should sell on Amazon. But then I thought to myself, that's stupid. There's so much money to be made on Amazon. Why am I going to sell on Amazon just just because something crazy like that could happen? That could, that could happen in any business, right, right. Um, in life. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Somebody could slip on the floor. And fall, but that's what you have sue insurance for, right? That's why you. That's why you. That's why he got a lawyer. So it's kind of the same thought process. That's a great ex example, and that's something that could happen. But even more, like something personal that happened to me is that before the pan, I started selling like right before the pandemic. Like they started shutting down stuff, and I was wow. broke when I first started, and I was doing used books. I would go to the thrift store and I would buy used books. I I got it to the point to where I would go to the thrift store they would let me go in the back and i would take like two days just scanning books and i would get it to like 500 600 books i would rent a truck and then come pick up the books but then the pandemic happened and then they closed down all the thrift stores so i had 100 of my business model was selling used books so when they closed down the um thrift stores i had no more inventory so i was like all right well i guess amazon is over with let me move to the next thing but i met my mentor i met her at the exact same time and she was like you know what you should do you want to know one store that's never closed no matter what happens and i was like what and she was like grocery stores people always have to eat so you should move over to groceries so that just shows so at so at that moment that let me know that i never want to have 
like 100% of my Amazon model onto one thing. So now I do RA, I do OA, and I do wholesale. So if stores get shut down, that's that's fine. I still can do online arbitrage and I still can do wholesaling. So that's why I kind of tell my um stu- students also to be skilled at more than one thing. Of course, you can have your favorite, but if that happens, then you could pivot to the next thing. So yeah. Yeah. You don't want to put same, you don't want to put all your eggs in one eggs basket. There's a couple exactly. websites that I source from and there's, I'm not going to repeat them all on no, this don't, podcast. No, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> But there's like three or four that are like my absolute favorite. And honestly, probably 80% of my catalog comes from those three or four websites. Mm-hmm. If something happened to one of those websites one day, I would lose probably 20, 30% of my products and have to go replace them. It wouldn't take me that long to replace them. But my whole point is, is I'm agreeing with you. Like you can't have all your eggs in one basket um, from Amazon perspective, from a product's perspective, and from an income perspective. You need to diversify as much as possible. That's the reason when you, you don't invest in just a couple of different stocks, you invest in all the stocks. Um, as long as you guys diversify, you know, in life, in your incomes, you're going to be perfectly fine. Right. I well, not perfectly you fine. It, 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 something every it happens. You know, crap would still hit the fan. I'm not going to say perfectly fine, but you'll more than likely be good. I agree with you 100%. Andrew, we've been going for over an hour now, and I think you may be my longest podcast. So I know we hour joked and 10 about- Hour and minutes, I think. Hour and 20, something like Hour that. and 20 minutes. So I think we've been, we joked about it before, but you have been one of my favorite guests to have on. So I really appreciate that. Um, You're Where welcome. can people get in contact with you if they want to talk to you about coaching or just follow uh, your journey? Yeah, they can just, they want to follow my journey. Um, They can hit me up at, at Pipkin Resales. So it's P-I-P- K-I-N Resales, R-E-S-E-L-L-S, at Pipkin Resales um, on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, and uh, I love getting new followers because I love hanging out and talking with people. Yeah, I'll have all your links linked in the um, thing before, and right below, you can see his Instagram um, handle also. But I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks. I enjoyed it, man. Thanks. So there we go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Amazon Hustle podcast. If you are listening to it on your favorite podcast platform, please do me a favor. Give this episode a five-star review. If you guys are watching on YouTube, please do me a favor there. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and click that bell so you can be notified when I upload new videos. And I'll catch you guys in next week's episode. Peace out.